This is the Jeopardy podcast. And now, here are the hosts of the Jeopardy podcast, Jamie and Katie. This is the Jeopardy podcast. And now, here are the hosts of the Jeopardy podcast, Jamie and Katie. Hello, everyone. This is the Evil Chocolate Cookie, late as I suspected I would be. But here, nonetheless, we are still in flashback mode here on today's edition of the Jeopardy Chronicles, as we will be for the next couple of weeks. And it is time to get into game four of our Tournament of Champions quarterfinals. Now, today's contestants are a pretty interesting group because one of them I don't remember very well. The other two I do, but it's all right. We have John. Oh, gosh, I'm not even going to try to remember his name or remember how to pronounce his name. I know his first name was John. That's what I know. Who won four games at some point in season 37. I just don't remember when. I don't remember who he played with. For some reason, I want to think it was Mike Richards. But I can't be sure. Poor guy. If it was Mike Richards, I feel bad for him. Then, of course, we had Rowan Ward, who we will remember from Second Chance last week. And then Courtney Shaw, who won seven games back in Season 37. Now, just to give you an overview of our contestants, as I said, John, I don't remember who he played with. I don't remember exactly anything really about his run. I want to say it was Mike Richards, but I don't have the resources on me right now to double, triple check. I could grab one of my other phones, but then it'd be chattering in your ear. And that would be annoying. Um, what I remember him mostly for actually happened after today's game originally aired. One of the things he talked about in this particular game was this website that he runs that keeps track of all of the Jeopardy stats and box scores and things like that. And I asked him on Twitter if that would be accessible and he was talking about how there were a lot of graphs and such but that he would see about figuring it out I said thank you that's more that's more than what most people do when I ask them a question like that they say they don't know when they don't care and he comes back and says well that's something that really needs to be paid more attention to because that's important And that left me with a very, very good impression of this guy. Like, I was very impressed. I'm like, oh my god, this guy actually cares. I haven't been back to the website to check it because I kind of forgot about it until now. But I'll go back later, definitely, and see what's what's been going on over there. So that's mainly what I remember him for, not for his original run, because... If my suspicions are correct and he did play under Mike Richards, well, I try to block out Mike Richards as much as I can because yuck. Ew, ew, ew. Gross. I'm actually thinking about writing a We Don't Talk About Bruno parody. We Don't Talk About Richards because ew. 
Anyway, moving on from the subject of Mike Richards, because I really don't have much to tell here. As I said, we will remember Rowan from the Second Chance Tournament last week. But their first appearance on Jeopardy was very memorable as well. Their first appearance was the very last game of season 37. Actually, I guess we're not entirely moving on from Mike Richards. And when that game aired, Mike Richards had just been announced as the new host a couple of days before. And my soul was in pieces. Because I thought the dream that I had worked my patootie off for for so many years would just be gone. Because Mike Richards was bad news. And I, I knew for a fact that with his history of discriminating against people for anything and everything, that I would not be welcome. But... This this particular contestant, they, they show up, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. Happy people that day were an affront to me. Not because I was mad at them for being happy, but just because everything hurt so much. I felt so defeated. I had my lifelong dream ripped out from under me, and my soul hurt. So happy people were the last thing I wanted to see. And they were just very bouncy, very bubbly, very happy as they have always been in every appearance they've had. And I was just like, really? You really have to be that happy right now? But I did go back and watch the episode again after things got back to where I knew what I wanted to do with my life again. Because the person who was ruining it was out of the picture. But when I rewatched that episode and I immediately liked them, I'm like, oh my God, I love this person. Because in my normal frame of mind, that kind of happy, like I said last week, that kind of happy is just so daggum contagious. You can't help catching it. And I loved it. And I was just, I was just all for it. So it was nothing against them personally. When I was being so upset by happy people, it, was, it wasn't their fault. I get that. Like I said, I was just hurting really badly at the time. And I'm like, are you serious right now? You can, you can be this bouncy and happy when the entire world has turned on its head? At least mine had turned on its head. And for a lot of Jeopardy fans, theirs had too. You know, I realize these were taped in advance. I do. So before anybody could bash me for that. But the world having just turned on its head like that, I'm like, how can anybody be feeling happy? But re-watching it, I was all for it. I'm like, oh my god, I love this attitude. I love this personality. Yay! And actually, they did an AMA pretty soon after that. And I wisely stayed out of it because I didn't want them to know these, these thoughts that had been going through my mind upon first watching the episode. Because I didn't want them to think it was anything against them. That would have just been wrong. But that's the interesting story that I promised to get to when we would 
revisit them at some point. That's That was kind of the deal. I'm not going to give you the name they originally used when they were on Jeopardy. Because that would be rude. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, and you really want to know it, Google is your friend. Just go look it up. Because it's not for me to say. I won't do that to people. Um, where was I? Uh, oh yeah. Moving on. Next contestant. Uh, Courtney Shaw was notable during her appearance for breaking the three-game curse. After, after John, I think it was after John, yeah, um, we had this huge stretch of time where no one could win that fourth game. Nobody. And it stretched on for a good few months, a good couple of months, I think, at least. And then Courtney shows up and wins game one. And then game two. And then game three. And then I'm so nervous. I'm like, no. Because I I liked her. And I'm like, okay. I'm not going to like the outcome of this fourth game. I'm just not. The time is now 9 p.m. But then game four comes around and she wins that one too. And I'm like, oh my god. What just happened here? But I I remember just being so happy because that three-game stumbling block was finally gone. And she ends up, of course, winning seven games. And then I don't remember who beat her. I I just, I don't remember. I'm sorry that I don't remember some of these things as clearly as I feel like I should for the purposes of talking about them. But, eh. Anyway, on to today's game, because we've talked, we've really talked as much as we can about the contestants themselves and their original runs and such. Today's game saw a very, very drastic turnaround between rounds. During the entire Jeopardy round, it was a very close game. I think John and Rowan actually had, were, no, it wasn't John and Rowan that were tied. My bad. They kind of... They kind of bounced around as to who would be controlling the game. And who had the lead in the game quite a bit. But once Double Jeopardy hit... Once Double Jeopardy showed up... Oh my god. John was like, you know what? I'm done playing around. I'm going to snatch up this game and I'm going to run like a nut job with it. And he ended up with both of the daily doubles, made a fairly huge wager on one that left me questioning his sanity briefly. But fortunately did not do that on the second one. Because it was so it's so late in the game when that second daily double shows up that if you wager a stupid amount of money, you have really screwed yourself over. And I'm just thinking, really? If you're gonna do, be that stupid, do it in the Jeopardy round, please. Because, yeah, there is more money in Double Jeopardy. But if you plop yourself right back at zero and the next person is $16,000-$17,000 ahead of you, well, you've kind of screwed yourself. Completely over. 
And we don't want that. So I was glad when I saw John go for the small wager in the second Daily Double. I'm kind of reacting to this as I'm talking about it because these are reruns and that makes the most sense to me. By the end of Double Jeopardy, John had amassed $32,000. And the other two were way back behind him. Which doesn't make a difference to the game, really. I mean, when you think about the way things could go wrong, it doesn't make a difference to the game. It makes a difference when the final outcomes come up. But you have to think about, too... That sometimes players with that big of a lead will get overconfident. <coughs> James. <coughs> and sometimes they do something stupid. So don't count anybody out of the game until the end of the game. Unless, of course, they're in the red at the end of Double Jeopardy and they can't even play final. And then they're kind of stuck with third place. But other than that, you should never count anybody out of the game. But in, in the end, nobody got Final Jeopardy right. And two of the three players lost money. One of them made a fairly large wager considering their score. The other one made a small wager, but it didn't really matter in the end of the game because even though John missed it too, he didn't wager any money. So he went he wound up with a final score of that same 32,000 bucks and gets to go on to the semifinals later in the tournament. So as I said, that game had a very drastic turnaround in the way it happened between rounds. First round, it looked like it was going to be a fairly tight game. Second round, John takes off with it. Bam, 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 bam. $32,000. So, it that just goes to show you, I think, how much a game can change even from one, one round to the next. I mean, yes, these are pretty elite level players, but still, that can happen any game. That, you know, things look like they're going to be close and then off goes the score. I don't know why I'm doing hand gestures when you all can't even, you don't know that I'm doing it, but habit, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I think that's what I have for you today. I'm sorry I'm running late. As I said, I had places to be. During normal Jeopardy watching hours, so I'm, I'm running a little behind, but we manage. I may be late next Thursday, too, because I have more places to be, but I don't see it becoming a regular thing of me being late on a specific day of the week. It's just, you know, things happen sometimes. So I just wanted to give you an advanced warning, or I'll be late sometime next week. I should amend that. I'll be late sometime next week. I'm not sure when. But I just wanted to give you an advanced warning of, you know, this is happening. 
So I'm going to sign off for the night. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Please remember to send me your questions, comments, anything like that. And if you send them to me as a voice message, I'll put them on the next episode. That way that, you know, you feel like part of the show because I like doing that. But as for tonight, I'm headed out of here. And as Alex would say, so long, everybody. This is Jamie T speaking for the Jeopardy podcast, an evil chocolate cookie production. This is Jamie T speaking for the Jeopardy podcast, an evil chocolate cookie production.